0: Pastor John Randall draws this comparison as we begin a daily walk.
1: We are all like sheep. I'm not making that up. The Bible says it. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We are prone to wander. We are prone to distance ourselves from the flock. We get ensnared easily by traps and get into poisonous things that could be destructive, put ourselves potentially in dangerous situations. And what we come to find out is we're just like that. We're just like those sheep. And we also come to find out that we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd and Jesus is that shepherd.
0: Well, I think we've all experienced losing something of great importance. And then sometimes we experience the joy of finding it. What a feeling that is. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus speaks of things that were lost and then found. And maybe through this study, you'll discover you're the one that's lost today. Well, the good news is Jesus wants to find you. So let's turn to Luke 15 and join Pastor John Randall for this edition of A Daily Walk.
1: Luke chapter 15, and beginning in verse 1, Then all of the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Chapter 14 of Luke concludes with the words of Jesus, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Chapter 15 opens with then the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. Jesus had just presented Some of the most powerful teaching on what it meant to truly be a disciple. Some of the things that he said would cause most people to think twice about following after him. Yet those who listened to what Jesus said and saw their need for him drew near to him, it says. The Bible tells us in the book of James that if we draw near to God, that he will draw near to us. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 37, all that the father gives to me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. The sinners, those that saw themselves in need of Jesus drew near in order to hear him. And the first two verses of this chapter are exploding with insight and they give us understanding to the heart and the ministry of jesus and the first thing i want to point out to you is that although jesus hated sin and he died so that men could be freed from sin understand this jesus loved the sinner he loved the sinner when sinners approached jesus they were not repulsed by him When sinners approached Jesus, he did not turn from them. He didn't tell them to get away from him. They were the very people that he was seeking to draw unto himself. They were the ones who were sick, who saw themselves in need of a great physician. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those who were lost. These were the transgressors that Jesus was willing to be numbered with. And as you study Through the gospel record, you discover that there was something about Jesus that was so attractive even to the the worst of sinners. They found themselves gravitating toward him. I believe it was because they understood something about Jesus. They understood that Jesus was interested in them, that he would not turn them away. They probably heard about how Jesus had ministered to that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and he forgave her. They probably heard about the tax collector named Matthew who had been forgiven and made part of Jesus' discipleship team. People probably heard about how that woman of the night came and fell at his feet and and washed his feet and she went away forgiven. They heard about the paralytic man being dropped through the roof of Peter's house and Jesus saying to him, your sins are forgiven. And then him getting up and, and walking completely whole. They probably heard about how Jesus had touched the leper when everybody else ran from him and he was cleansed and healed. I believe that what attracted sinners to Jesus was his love for them. The love of Jesus. The love of Jesus for people that are lost. Do you love the lost? Do you love people who don't know Christ? Do you have a heart of compassion towards them? Jesus demonstrates this over and over again. And as much as Jesus loved the sinner then, he loves the sinner now. He died for the lost. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're lost, Jesus wants to find you. He knows where you are, you're here. But he knows where you are when you're not here. And he's seeking you. He's seeking to save you. This room, don't be surprised, don't look at your neighbor, but this room is full of sinners who have received a touch from Jesus, who have been found, although formerly lost. And that can be your testimony Also, no matter how unclean you are, how far away you think that you are. But there's another side to this introduction. And that is that the Pharisees who were the self-righteous, the arrogant, the overly confident in their religious accomplishments, they hated sinners. They wanted nothing to do with them. They couldn't understand why Jesus would associate with them. And so they they say this about Jesus in verse 2. They say, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. This wasn't a phrase of admiration for Jesus. This was accusation raised toward him, but it's so wonderful that they recognized it. Jesus received sinners. The word for sinners here is a word that can also be translated the outcasts. Jesus received the outcasts and he had fellowship with them. He ate with them. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus speaking, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And dine with him, and he with me. Jesus desiring to save sinners. That's the good news of the gospel today. That Jesus will receive you if you come to him, and he will change your life both now and for eternity. But following this indictment, this accusation raised by the religious leaders, Jesus responds with a threefold parabolic story that represents the grace of God pictured in three ways. Some have gone so far as to suggest that Luke chapter 15 is the best known chapter in the Bible and have called it the gospel for the outcasts. Because within this chapter, Jesus speaks of things that were lost and then found. And it's my prayer this morning that if you are lost, that you'll be found before our time ends. We begin in verse 3 as we look at the parable of the lost sheep. It says, So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, Likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. There were many in Jesus' day who were employed as shepherds. It was not uncommon when you were caring for a flock to have one of your sheep wander off. It is well documented that sheep are not the most intelligent animals within the animal kingdom. They are prone to wander without even realizing it. They are capable of eating things that could cause them great discomfort and even pick up parasites and be poisoned. They have no way of defending themselves. And what you come to realize is that sheep need a shepherd. Jesus reveals in this parable that one of the sheep out of a hundred had wandered off in the wilderness. And the shepherd, so concerned for the one sheep, leaves the 99, goes after this one, pursues it until he finds it. He carries it, and then he brings it home rejoicing, throws a party with his neighbors because the sheep had been found. And Jesus then points out that this is the exact same thing that happens in heaven when one sinner turns to repentance. There's a couple observations I want to make with you this morning. First of all, make note that we are all like sheep. I'm not making that up. The Bible says it. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We are prone to wander. We are prone to distance ourselves from the flock. We get ensnared easily by traps and get into poisonous things that could be destructive. Put ourselves potentially in dangerous situations and what we come to find out is we're just like that. We're just like those sheep. And we also come to find out that we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd and Jesus is that shepherd. You remember That in Psalm 23, the psalmist declared, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus, you remember, said in John's gospel that he himself was the good shepherd. And as a good shepherd, he loves the sheep. He cares for the sheep, protects the sheep, calls the sheep by name, and leads them out into pasture. He is the doorway into the sheepfold. And not only that, as the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, he laid down his life for the sheep. He's no hireling. He does not run. He laid down his life so that the sheep could be saved. We also find from this parable and can apply that Jesus, as well as this shepherd in the story, is concerned about the individual. That's something that is extremely important to remember. He's willing to risk all for one sheep. I mean, why not? It's just one sheep. You got 99 others. They're going to reproduce. Eventually, you'll have more sheep. I mean, so you lost one. Big deal. Oh, this shepherd, it was important to him. This sheep was valuable to him. Just one. And Jesus is concerned about us in the same way. He loves the individual. You're not just a number to God. Oh, the Bible says that God so loved the whole world. He does, but he loves you personally. We know that that God died for the sins of humanity, and we rejoice in that. But he died for your sins and mine, personally. Take it personal. If you were the only one that needed to be saved, he still would have come. That's how much he cares about you. Individually, God loves you. We also find that the shepherd in the story pursues the sheep. And Jesus pursues us, doesn't he? Relentlessly. Relentlessly. Because of his love, he pursues us. He doesn't just let us get away, just doesn't let us wander off. He comes after us. And maybe for some of you today, the Lord has been pursuing you, and you've been running from God. You've been resisting the work of the Spirit in your life, trying to get away from God, trying to run from him. And God is running you down. God is bringing things into your life to get your attention, to make you see he is pursuing you. Why? Because he loves you. It would be very easy for him to just let you go. You want to do what you want to do? Go ahead. But God loves you too much. God loves you too much to leave you to your own devices. And so he runs hard after you. He pursues you. And many of us, that's our testimony. God ran us down. There was a man who was sharing his testimony in church. And he was talking about all the things that God had done. God did this in my life. And God did this. And God did that. And, and finally, one of the men who heard him said, Brother, I appreciate your testimony, but all you've been telling us is everything that God did. Why don't you tell us your part? They said, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you my part. My part was I was running as fast as I could to get away from God. And God's part was he ran me down and saved me. I'm so thankful that God ran me down. We also find here that the shepherd, when he found the sheep, he picked it up and he carried it and he rejoiced all the way home. The shepherd, when he came across that lost lamb, he didn't begin to threaten it. You know, next time you wander away, I'm going to turn you into a wool sweater. I'm not messing around anymore. (laughs) Two words, lamb chops. Do you understand? (laughs) He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He picked it up and he began to carry it. Probably it was wounded. Probably it couldn't move. It was too scared. And so he picked it up. And when he picked it up, he rejoiced over it. Jesus, when he found us, He rejoiced over us. Darkness fell. Wolves closed in. Frightened. And yet Jesus, he came as a good shepherd, rescued us, and then he carried us. And he rejoices over us. In the book of Exodus, the 19th chapter, the Lord reminded the nation of Israel, following their rescue from Egyptian bondage, that when they were in the wilderness, he said this, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. The implication is I carried you when you couldn't go on. No doubt many of you are familiar with that famous poem, Footprints. Maybe you have it on a bookmark or it's a magnet on your fridge, but you've seen it. But the most powerful thing about that particular poem is the writer sees these, you know, two sets of footprints walking along the shore and in the most critical time in his life, the most painful moment in his life, he sees one set of footprints and so he questions the Lord. Saying, listen, you walked with me when everything was fine, but this was the most difficult time of my life and you, it, this one set of footprints, where were you? God, where were you when that was happening? And you remember as the poem goes on, the Lord whispers and says, my precious child, I love you. I will never leave you during your trials and testings. But when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And how often has the Lord carried us? And we could not take another step and we didn't know how we were gonna make it through. Pick this up, carried us. That's what a good shepherd does. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry and gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The Lord carries us. And I'm so thankful for the arms of Jesus that carry me. As Jesus brings this parable to a close, he makes the connection between the rejoicing of the shepherd with his friends over the sheep that has been found To that of a sinner repenting and the joy and rejoicing that takes place in heaven. He says in verse 7, I say to you likewise. Just like that rejoicing that happens over that lost sheep, there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Some refer to verse 7 as a time when Jesus uses irony. And the irony of the statement in verse 7 is at the end when Jesus says, 99 just persons that need no repentance. Perhaps referring to the Pharisees. There's no 99 people that don't need repentance. We all need repentance from time to time. Perhaps talking to the religious leaders. I went after the one who was lost. These sinners that are coming to me to eat with me and so forth. These are the ones that I'm pursuing. I've left the traditional side of, you need to keep this and you need to keep that, as the Pharisees were imposing, and I went after the one who saw his need for salvation. And when one is saved, one convert, all of heaven rejoices. There's a party going on in glory. Now there are many wonders that are taking place in heaven that we cannot nor could not fully understand here on earth. We don't have a full understanding of what those who have entered into eternity are experiencing. The Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them. So how do we know? We don't. We know in part, the Bible says. One day we're going to fully know when we're there. But oftentimes, people begin to speculate. They ask questions. I've been asked the question many times. Can our loved ones who have gone on before us, can they see us? Do they know what's going on down here right now at the present time? And the answer to that is, I really don't know. I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't necessarily say that. I don't have all the answers. But I will say what we do know is there is constant rejoicing and celebration in heaven when a sinner gets saved. Everybody breaks out in heaven with rejoicing. I've wondered to myself. This is my own imagination, perhaps thinking about these things. I wonder that if throughout a day in heaven, if there is such as a day, I wonder when someone is converted that there's not loud cheers heard throughout heaven. And the reason for it is someone got saved. Angel wings start flapping. Songs start going up. People start rejoicing like a coliseum wave. <sighs> because one person got saved. That's how I think anyways. <laughs> Whatever else our friends and family who have gone on before us know in regard to what's going on here on the earth. There's one thing they know that when the good shepherd finds a lost sheep, he gathers them all together and rejoices with them because another one has chosen to make heaven his home. Jesus tells us a second parable now, this time about a lost coin. In verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, calls her friends, neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me! I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It is believed that perhaps the ten coins that is referred to here were those... Pieces of silver that a married woman would wear as they were joined together and given by her husband to seal the marriage ceremony. These coins, perhaps you've seen pictures of them, they are worn across the wife's forehead. And it's it's somewhat of a similar value to that of a wedding band. Perhaps that is the case. Others suggest that maybe the coin represents a part of this woman's dowry. Regardless of what the coins were, we know that they were valuable. And she was searching for them. She did not say, oh, I have nine coins left. It's fine. I, you know, who needs 10? I mean, nine's fine. No, this, this coin was so valuable that she began to search for it until she found it. I don't know if you've ever lost your wallet before. Your debit card left at the restaurant. And as I look at your faces, I know you know what I'm talking about. When that happens... It's the most frightening thing ever. You just picture it in your mind. Somebody swiping all the way to Texas. Every <laughs> stop along the way, you know, they booked a flight to China and they're gone with your identity. It's frightening. Amazon's blowing up with all these purchases. Like, you're getting all these emails. I didn't order a car. I didn't order this. A back massage in, in Tokyo. I mean, what, uh, what is happening? Somebody's... It's frightening. I hate to admit it, but it happened to me. I lost my wallet. Lost my wallet. And so I looked everywhere for it. And I could not find it. So if you can't find it, next thing you do is you get on the phone and you cancel every card, reorder, license, canceled, everything. And you just figure my identity's gone. It's over. I'm done. There's another John Randall floating around somewhere, you know. And then after that, after I had canceled everything, reordered everything, went into my closet, looked at my shoes on the ground, Is that my wallet in those shoes? Who puts their wallet in their shoes? Apparently I do. Not anymore, friend. But nonetheless, as bummed out as I was about that, at the same time, totally relieved. My identity is secure. I'm still good, you know? And I got a new license and new cards and all the rest of it. But anyhow, this woman is searching for this coin. It is valuable. It is priceless to her. And so she does a couple of things when she begins to search. First of all, it says she lights a lamp. She turns a light on. And she begins to search for it. If in this parable, the lost coin represents a person who doesn't know the Lord, they are lost, it says that the lamp is lit in order to illuminate the darkness so that the one who is lost may no longer be concealed. They may be found. The Bible tells us that the word of God is like a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible says that we, in turn, are the light of the world. It talks about people who are lost are in darkness. So here we are, armed with the light of the gospel, ourselves, illuminating the light, reflecting the light that comes from Christ. Everywhere we go, walk in the light as he is in the light and people's deeds are being exposed. Some of them recoil back to the shadows, but nonetheless, we're shining the light on the lost ones. If you come across somebody who's lost, shine the light of the gospel on them. Shine the word of God on them. Let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they may glorify your father in heaven, Jesus said.
0: Lost and found. That's the title we've given this message from Pastor John Randall on A Daily Walk, and you can hear it again at adailywalk.org. Or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and through the Calvary South OC app. If you'd rather have a CD copy of the study from our Through the Bible series, we can send that to you for a cost of $5. Here's where to reach us toll-free, 877-242-0828. You can use that to order resources or if you have any questions. That's 877 242 828 We light up around here when a listener shares what God is doing in their life and how they're helped through the teaching of God's Word. If you feel led to write, here's our email address, a dailywalk at gmail.com. That's a dailywalk at gmail.com. It sure would be nice to connect with you. As we've just begun a new year, we have an excellent new resource to tell you about geared for you ladies. It's A Daily Walk for Women by Michelle Randall. This 366-day devotional will remind you that as Christians, we don't walk alone. Jesus has promised to never leave or forsake us and He gives us the courage to be strong during uncertain times. We don't need to dread the future because the Lord goes with us. We pray this devotional will bring you hope as you seek Jesus and share in the wisdom of God from the heart of a pastor's wife. We're offering it for the special price of $15. Just call us and request A Daily Walk for Women at 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Again, that's 877 242 And please remember, it's your faithful contribution to the Lord's work at A Daily Walk that allows us to bring Pastor John's studies to the radio every day. We can't do it alone and totally rely on the Lord to make all this happen. Secure donations can be made at a adailywalk.org. Here's what's coming up next time on A Daily Walk.
1: There's so many applications that you can make from this particular story. Maybe you or like the prodigal son, prodigal daughter wandered away. That is your testimony. For others of you, maybe you're the father waiting for that prodigal son, prodigal daughter to return. Or perhaps you're like the elder brother. You see sinners getting saved, you say, God, I can't believe you'd save him. And you're critical because you've forgotten what you've been saved from. Well, there's many applications from this particular story and whatever place that you find yourself in i encourage you to respond as the spirit of god
0: that's the practical application waiting for us next time on a daily walk with pastor john randall this is a presentation of calvary south oc